On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk gives an update on when we should finally see the rollout of the City Streets full self-driving package as well as the subscription option. Plus, Tesla draws up plans for a new largest supercharger in North America. An important service bulletin goes out for all 2020 and 2021 Model 3 and Model Y and more. Greetings, friends. Ryan McCaffrey here with you for the palindromatic episode 292 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for March 7th, 2021. Daisy the Boxer Puppy to my left. I'll tell you about her in a second. Uh, but first, I wanted to start the show with something that happened right here on Friday night as I was getting ready to record. The dam breaking loose on Twitter as far as uh, Elon Musk just bringing it on himself. He tweeted, if you want the Tesla full self-driving beta downloaded to your car, let us know. We're doubling the beta program size now with version 8.2 and probably 10x the size with 8.3. Still being careful, but it's getting mature. And I could not help but feel for whomever on the Tesla team is tasked with parsing through all that. As of me recording this, which I'm actually starting my recording earlier than usual because uh, we're we'll get dinner ready later so I'm able to sneak this in before it's going to be way bigger by the time uh, you see that by the time you hear this there are 9500 replies replies not retweets not likes but actual replies to that tweet so far and you know it made me think of uh, that job listing that I reported to you about what would that have been maybe three four weeks ago where they were hiring someone to actually monitor Elon's Twitter feed for customer service stuff, like for issues that come up so that people would, you know, somebody who'd be hired that would flag them and then, you know, get them routed to the appropriate person or department to get them dealt with. I, if this task of, of curating all of the people that want in on the FSD beta is falling to that new hire, Boy, talk about right into the fire on your first day. Like, well, welcome to the team. Elon just tweeted that anybody who wants in on the FSD beta should reply to this. So we'll see. I, of course, responded. We'll see if I get chosen. We'll see. I'm sure some of you are going to get chosen. Uh, but obviously, the beta is going to be getting bigger and bigger as time goes on before it ultimately does roll out. So we'll see. I've got my fingers crossed. Maybe I'll get lucky and get in on the next round but we'll see. Uh, real quick, before I get rolling with the rest of the Tesla news, I wanted to give you a follow-up, an update on Daisy the Boxer, and that update is about as good as I could have hoped. The good news is her heart is a bit smaller, and the fluid has for now cleared out of her lungs. So she has another update, another chest x-ray in six weeks to see if the, the improvement is sort of uh, the way it was termed to me, basically if it's real. And what I mean by that is it's possible that with the medication that maybe she was just having a good day when they happened to scan her chest here, uh, but hopefully it really is concrete improvement. Uh, she seems better, like she's not coughing, like her energy just, she seems more like herself. And so she seems good to my absolutely untrained 
eye, medically speaking. So I am really hoping that the diet change and this medication is uh, is doing the trick. So thank you again to all of you for your well wishes through all various forms of, of uh, communicating with me. I've heard from so many of you, and I really, really appreciate it. All right, let's get rolling with the Tesla news. First up this week, we've got an update, uh, a different update from Elon on the fleet-wide rollout. Not the beta, but the actual when is this going to push out to everybody with regard to the city streets full self-driving. A listener of this podcast who goes by the username Falcon9Block5 asked Elon, any update on the timeline for when public FSD will come out? Possibly Q2? And Elon responded to that person saying, sounds about right, but we want to be very careful with this transition period, end quote. Well, Elon had, of course, as you all know, been saying by the end of the year last year in 2020, and when that didn't happen, I thought, I thought it would, there'd be a really good chance that it would happen at, by the end of Q1 here now. So by the end of this month in 2021, so that Tesla could recognize the revenue from those FSD option packages in what is traditionally Tesla's and really all automakers slowest quarter of the year. I don't think any of us are necessarily surprised that it's going to take longer than that. And uh, Elon is absolutely right. I mean, they've got to be extra careful with this. All eyes are going to be on Tesla when this software finally rolls out wide. Not just the rest of the car industry, not just the media, but the government as well. I mean, and really not just the U.S. government, all governments where Tesla has a presence in that country. So it is going to be very closely watched. This is the the price that Tesla pays. I mean, it's it's a give and take, right? They get a ton of free publicity, but be, by being at the tip of the spear, they also get uh, the sometimes unwanted attention and sometimes undeserved criticism for if any one little thing goes wrong. So that is that is the the reality that Tesla lives in for better and for worse. But uh, again, I mean, as I said, I'm extremely eager to get my hands on it, as we all are. Although I suppose get my hands on it, maybe not quite the best turn of phrase. I mean, you want to keep your hands on the wheel, but <laughs> full self-driving. I guess I'm eager to get my hands off of it. I don't know. Anyway, um, there is some good news on that front, though. Speaking of the, the beta that Elon was soliciting signups for on Twitter, he said, uh, the beta will be offered much more widely when version 9 is done, hopefully next month. So that kind of stacks on top of his tweet from today, meaning Friday night as I record this. So hopefully next month we'll see an expansion of that FSD beta and some more of you out there will get your hands on it or not, or hands off of it, whatever the case may be. Speaking of this, here, here's a question for those of you out there who have not purchased the full self-driving at whatever price it's been. You know, let's take price out of the equation in a sense, you know, just meaning I'm talking to everybody, whether it's 10,000 for you or whether it was seven, whatever the case. Based on the YouTube videos of the beta that have been out there, I am curious to those of you who have not yet purchased, will you purchase the full self-driving package once this big city streets full self-driving release 
finally rolls out. And I'm not looking for you to call or email necessarily. Maybe I'll put a poll up on my Patreon page and just make it public so that anybody can respond to it, even if you're not a Patreon backer. I think it'd be interesting to get a little bit of a sense from my audience of how many of you are on the fence with this. Like how many of you might actually be swayed by the functionality or if regardless of the functionality, the price is is a non-starter for you. In which case, maybe the subscription option will uh, will be a, a viable option for you or something you're strongly considering, which I'll talk more about in a second. Similarly, just while we're still on this topic of, of the rollout of this, I want to make a prediction here. I think that when it releases, Tesla, at least put it this way, I would be shocked if Tesla did not release a short free trial of the city streets full self-driving autopilot software when it finally rolls out. It would probably sell a lot of full self-driving packages once people are able to try it for themselves in their own car. And if you think, well, that's crazy, Ryan, it's actually not because Tesla's done free autopilot trials before. They have done this. I think if it, I'm just going off my memory here, I believe they've done it at two separate times in maybe the past, I don't know, two to four years. Like they, they have done it a couple of times. So we shall see if my prediction ends up correct. Now, speaking of Q2 and speaking of the subscription option, how about an update on that? My friend Omar from the Whole Mars blog Twitter account posted this to Elon. Elon, people are dying for FSD subscriptions. When is it launching? Elon responding, Q2 for sure. And then, unprompted, Elon added, note, buying FSD will still be a better long-term deal than the subscription, end quote. So, it would not surprise me at all if those two things, meaning the fleet-wide rollout, of the City Streets full self-driving package and the subscription option end up happening at the exact same time. It would not at all surprise me if they're tied together. Also, that second bit that he added, again, without being asked, about the lump sum payment being a better long-term deal, what I think he's saying there, I think he's alluding to the idea that the monthly subscription is not going to be cheap. In fact... I now have a friendly wager, as I have not really had the chance to do in a long time. At at IGN, specifically on Podcast Unlocked, which is the Xbox podcast that I host every week for IGN, we used to do in-and-out lunch bets constantly. Just, you know, nice little small stakes, bets among friends, when we'd be making predictions about things that are going to happen in the video game world, and specifically the Xbox world. I miss, boy, that's, I miss those days. That is, uh, hopefully we'll all be back in our office maybe by the end of the year, if not, hopefully next year. Anyway, uh, so I now have a friendly wager, and this one, I proposed it for charity, a friendly wager on this with my friend Eli Burton, who runs the My Tesla Adventure program, which Eli puts together all kinds of great just drives and activities. And he's great. He's just a, he's a sweetheart of a guy, And he also does the Adventures of Starman comics, if you've seen those. Now, Eli and I respectfully 
disagree here. Eli seems convinced that the subscription option is going to be $99 per month. Eli, my friend, I love you, but I think you're nuts on this one. I think the floor on the monthly option is double that. I think $199 per month, and I've said that on the podcast before, I think it's going to be at least $199 per month, maybe even higher than that. Because the thing is, if you think about it, if it was only $99 a month, if it's $100 a month, Tesla would not get $10,000 from you until year nine of ownership. Everybody would take the monthly option if it was 99 bucks. So that's where Eli and I, we decided on Twitter and then a, and then a uh, private message exchange. All right, friendly wager on this. If, if I win, it's a, he's going to donate 100 bucks to a charity of my choosing. And if he wins, I'll do the same. So we'll see. Now, it's also possible that it won't be a monthly subscription. It could be an annual commitment, like a one or two year thing, like a cell phone contract. So I guess we'll find out in about two to three months or so, hopefully. Next this week, Tesla is planning to launch, they'll build and launch the world's largest, the new world's largest V3 supercharging station. And it's going to be in Santa Monica, California, one of my favorite cities. Actually, it is my favorite spot in LA. I love Santa Monica. This comes via Teslarati, who uh, I want to give a tip of the cap. They were tipped off by Drive Tesla Canada, who I've uh, re- referenced on this podcast many times. And Teslarati writes, Documents from Santa Monica's planning commission reveal a 62-stall supercharging station comprised entirely of Tesla's superfast V3 chargers and an owner lounge, a la Kettleman City, is planned for the area of 1421 Santa Monica Boulevard in Los Angeles. The planning commission will vote on Wednesday, March 3rd, which actually I got to look up and see how that went. I presume it would pass. Currently, a series of abandoned and empty parking lots in the midst of several gas-powered car lots, meaning car dealerships they're referring to there. The two empty plots of land could soon become one of Tesla's largest supercharging stations in the world. According to the Santa Monica Planning Commission, Tesla has applied for the approval of a conditional use permit, blah, 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 62 stalls, solar canopies, restrooms, and support equipment split between the two project sites. So, again, it would be the largest V3 supercharged, largest V3 in the world, but it will not be the largest supercharger in the world. That honor still goes to the 72-stall site in Shanghai. Uh, However, those Shanghai 72-stall superchargers are only V2s, meaning peak rates of 150 kilowatts rather than the 250 kilowatt rates that could be available to folks in Santa Monica. Now, as as you probably know, as because I've talked about it recently, and maybe you've even been there, if you're out here in California, northern or southern, the largest V3 supercharging station in the world at the moment is not too far away in Fireball, California. That one's got 56 stalls, all V3s. Now, I'm recording this, as always, on Friday night. Tomorrow, as I record this, Saturday, I will be visiting the Fireball station for the first time. There is a Tesla Owners of Silicon Valley Club takeover event happening there. I'm setting my alarm. Got to get up out, get up and out the door bright and early because... 
I want to try and rendezvous with the group that's doing a caravan down there. We're meeting at a San Jose supercharger and then all uh, a group will head down together. Those of you, those of us that want to head down, which I would love to be part of that group. That would be fun. Now, uh, I should probably actually, I should pause the podcast and set a scheduled departure, a departure charge for a hundred percent. I mean, I guess I don't have to, it's not that far. Uh, it's about, it's 150 ish miles outside of San Francisco. So it is within shot. But anyway, uh, about the Santa Monica proposed station. So I, I looked up that, that address on the map and I have to say, I love the location on this. It's just a short walk from the Third Street Promenade, if you've ever been there, as well as the Santa Monica Pier. is just a, a touch further than that. I, I, I love the area. I uh, it's it's uh, it's about a twenty minute walk from the Supercharger to the Third Street Promenade, which, thinking more about it, is actually just far enough away where by the time you would park your car at the Supercharger, plug in walk to the Third Street Promenade, you'd really just turn right around and walk back because by the time that would be a 40-minute total walk and your car would be fully charged. So I guess it would be nice if it were a little bit closer. But then again, I imagine that land in that area near downtown Santa Monica is probably pretty tough to come by. But this is still very, very cool, and this should be a pretty fun spot for a giant V3 supercharger that has a lounge to boot. That's going to be pretty great. Next news story this week. There is a new service bulletin slash recall, if you want to call it that. It's not an official, you know, NHTSA recall, but a service bulletin on the HVAC system in 2020 and 2021 Model 3s and Model Ys. So that's a lot of cars. This comes via, once again, the Tesla community's white, hacker fr- uh, white hat hacker friend, Green the Only, who writes, PSA, Tesla changed from only fix when customer complains to doing a full wide stealthy recall, which he's referring to service bulletin there, for the 2020 and 2021 3 and Y. The AC sensors are going bad. So if you think you have any problems with AC, you know what to do. Make an appointment or ask Tesla during your during another service appointment. He says, I am sad that I need to deliver this news and not Tesla. The fixed date for 2021 model year cars is unknown, but hopefully not later than March 1st. Basically, he's saying, hopefully it has been now rectified in production for anybody out there listening to this that is just now, like this month, taking delivery on a three or a Y. Well, I do agree with Green that it's a shame that owners aren't hearing about this from Tesla themselves first, but there you go. I am happy to put the word out there to help you, uh, you know, make sure your car is always in tip-top shape. So this service bulletin, if it affects you, you can get it taken care of. And I do imagine a lot of you out there are affected by this because remember, Tesla delivered their all-time record number of vehicles last year. So if you are affected, I would say you don't necessarily have to run right out and make a service appointment right now if you're not having a problem. But since the issue is an AC sensor, I would humbly suggest that you might want to get in there, get an appointment, get it taken care of in the next couple of months at the most 
before summer rolls back around and you really start reaching for that those uh, AC controls once again. I mean, we're in you know we're heading into spring now, so you know not super urgent, but put it on your short list of things to do soonish. Here's a fun story up next again via Teslarati. Tesla's new Roadster windshield wiper system has won U.S. Patent Office approval. Teslarati writing, the U.S. Patent Office officially granted approval for U.S. Patent number 10,889,267 granted uh, in January for an electromagnetic windshield wiper system. I'm going to read you a little bit of the patent. It reads, quote, the disclosed electromagnetic wiper system may include a linear actuator that may include a guide rail and an electromagnetic moving block. The guide rail may include a plurality of permanent magnet bars that may be disposed horizontally along a curvature of the windshield of the vehicle. The electromagnetic moving block may, ask, may act pardon me, as an electromagnetic train and may include a plurality of perforations and at least an electromagnetic coil that surrounds the plurality of perforations in the electromagnetic moving block. Wow, this is some serious technical writing. Uh, The linear motion of the electromagnetic moving block through the plurality of the permanent magnet bars may be controlled to steer the wiper arm that may be coupled to the electromagnetic moving block back and forth across the entire length of the windshield to wipe a defined region, for example, the entire transparent area of the windshield. In other words, the whole thing. This may result in minimal friction during the linear motion of the electromagnetic moving block. When the wiper blade is not being used, it will be hidden under the car's hood. This this is now uh, Tesserati sort of summing things up. This adds to the Roadster's clean and modern design free of anything that could take away from its aerodynamically advantageous design, including side mirrors. Well, I have to say... Uh, I am not a technical writer. I am very much an enthusiast media writer. <laughs> and that's, uh, I had to read that one a couple times, but I do get the general idea after, uh, after going through it. And I have to say, I'm, even then, I'm still not quite sure exactly how this will work in practice. I think I have a reasonable idea, but it sure as heck sounds cool. I mean, this to me, this seems like one of those things that could start out on the Roadster, i.e. the expensive halo car, where the the cost of the part of this electromagnetic windshield wiping system would be relatively high, at least compared to a traditional windshield wiping system. And then maybe as revisions come along on, on the system and costs go down, it could move down to the rest of the fleet, or at least some of it, right? Like maybe the Cybertruck... Uh, the semi truck for sure. Maybe not the three and the Y. Maybe the S and the X. It definitely does make sense for the Roadster, though, because I mean, besides just the fact that it's the Halo car that you put all the cool stuff on, you don't really want to have. I mean, I'm not an engineer. Let me preface that. Preface this first, but you probably don't want to have a traditional windshield wiper of any size or shape or any kind on a car that can clear 250 miles per hour. So uh, I will be eager to see what this electromagnetic system looks like in action. Moving on this week, we've got uh, one more story for you. 
Tesla has partnered with K1 Speed Go-Karts in Bend, Oregon. Listen to this. I want to thank listener Brian Cochran, who sent this in. And this was reported by KTVZ News 21, local news station there in Bend. Matthew Wessels, a partner with K1 Speed, said that Tesla approached his business and asked if they would consider housing some of their test drive vehicles in their parking lot. He believes it was due to the business's electric-powered go-karts. Quote, Now that we're reopened, Tesla has been using our parking lot to kind of feel out what the market is, Wessels said. He noted that K1 Speed is responsible for making sure the vehicles get washed and are properly charged for the test drivers. A Tesla representative remotely starts the vehicles. Quote, Every day, the Teslas are getting driven, Wessel said. People are coming down, whether that's the younger crowd that are excited to be inside of a Tesla and see it, because there are some people that the car is out of their reach. But this is an opportunity for everybody to get to see what the technology is about and what the rage is for. And he's not meaning, he means what the rage is all, not, not like literal anger. <laughs> End quote. Tesla is also reportedly considering a showroom in Bend, on Northeast 3rd Street near the Bend DMV office. Well, I can tell you, we have a K1 Speed not too far south of San Francisco that I have been to. And though I haven't been to it in years, it is super fun. And thinking about it, I think this is really smart of Tesla to approach K1 on this. Because if you're interested in driving electric go-karts, you're probably going to be predisposed to being interested in a Tesla, which is basically just a giant souped up street legal go-kart that happens to be extremely safe as well. And if there are Teslas to test drive right there at K1 speed, when you go to go go go-karting, wow, say that five times fast, who wouldn't want to take advantage of that? I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty smart thinking. I think that's some good cross promotion. I'd be curious to hear a follow-up on this in a few months from Tesla to see if sales in Bend happen to go up at all, like if they saw any uptick in any metrics. Now, I know we probably won't get that kind of granular data from Tesla. That's not something they have ever really traditionally provided, but this is really cool regardless, if you ask me. And for listeners up in Bend, Good news about Bend possibly getting its own proper Tesla showroom. Good stuff. All right, that's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week. I've got a lot of your awesome phone calls lined up in the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up right after this. Hey, real quick, before I get started with the Ride the Lightning hotline, I wanted to mention uh, two quick things. One, that Elon Musk tweet that I mentioned at the top of the show about soliciting volunteers for the FSD beta, it's now up to 10,600 replies and counting. So that gives you an idea of uh, the interest level there from Tesla owners. Second, abstractocean.com. I just wanted to give them a mention a little earlier in the show because they've been They've been a a friend of this podcast for a long, long time, running the RTL podcast 15% off discount code for, uh, gosh, I mean, it's got to be at least a few years now. They've just been a supporter of this podcast for a long time, 
And so I'm just, I'm on here right now because actually I haven't visited in a little while. I wanted to see what's doing that, that might be of interest to people because, again, I, I always call them the Costco of, of Tesla accessories. So I'm just clicking on Model 3 and uh, filtering by best-selling. Like, all right, what are people buying on here? So there's the the tempered glass screen protectors. Again, those are custom fit. Those, uh, those are there. You've got the center console vinyl wraps, you know, because those of us with the, you know, pre-2021 3 or Y have the uh, the piano, the gloss black, the piano black center console that that scratches our fingerprints if you just look at it. So there's a there's a do-it-yourself wrap kit in different colors, like this brushed titanium they got. Uh, there's the ultra bright puddle lights that you can get in the SX3Y logo, the Tesla T logo, or even the SpaceX X logo shining down when you open your door at night uh, or any of the doors, whichever ones you install it in, it'll shine that logo down instead of just a generic, you know, regular light. That's cool. Uh, there are Model 3 door release buttons for those of us, <laughs> you know, that are tired of explaining to passengers what that door release button that's just completely unlabeled <laughs> means. There's a center console tray, nice little organizational thing if you keep like, you know, pens, chapstick, uh, headphones, all kinds of stuff in there. So there's just a lot. There is a lot of neat stuff. A noise reduction kit. I actually might need to check that out myself. Cut down on the wind noise. It goes up in the top on the in the uh, neck, like by the glass roof, sort of in in the little you know divots between the glass roof and the body. So all that I could keep scrolling all day here. There's all kinds of stuff. Abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTL Podcast at checkout and you will get 15% off of your first order. And with that, let me move to the Ride the Lightning hotline where I've got a ton of your excellent phone calls lined up. I welcome and invite your participation. If you want to talk Tesla, give me a call. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less call and just call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Just leave a message anytime, day or night. No problem. The toll-free number there is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Rick from Sweden is up first. Go ahead, Rick. Hey, it's Rick from Sweden here. First of all, I hope that Daisy the Boxer puppy is recovering well. Being a dog owner myself, I can fully understand that the pain that you and your family are going through. So all the best wishes to you. Um, in fact, I'm a, a foster parent to guide dog puppies. So I either always have like large Labradors uh, or very naughty Labrador puppies. And so I wanted to ask you for your real world experience living with a Tesla. We're about to order our first uh, electric car and obviously Tesla is at the 
the front of the pack as a contender. Um, but the Model 3 isn't a hatchback, so how do you transport Daisy? Is she in the front footwell? Uh, is that large enough? Um, do you fold down the back chairs? Are there any recommended products for kind of making like a little cage so the dog doesn't go to the front with the chairs down? Um, any extra protection that you recommend, uh, for, like scratches and claws? Um, I would potentially go for the Model Y since it is a hatchback, but it's not available in Europe yet. And given Tesla's track record with initial releases not being great, I'm, I'm not sure I want to wait for that. Uh, and also delivery times, not sure when that will happen. Um, and the other alternative I'm looking at currently is the Polestar 2, but then I really like Tesla. So any experience you have, would love to hear it. Thank you and great podcast. Rick, first of all, thank you very much for the kind words about Daisy. I appreciate that. And uh, I love that you foster service dog puppies. My friend Michael does that, and it is an incredibly generous and sweet thing to do. So kudos to you. I will do my best to give you my perspective on your questions about dogs in Teslas. Uh, first, I cannot speak to the Polestar, as I have not had a chance to drive one or even sit in one. I've, I've seen one on the road uh, a couple weeks ago, it was recently, and it actually was really nice looking on the road. Uh, hopefully, that's going to be a great car, and maybe it will be a viable option for you. I also understand your reluctance to wait for the why. I'm not sure what your timeline is, but let me offer you a bit of optimism here. The Berlin-built Model Y, complete with, remember, the new 4680 cells and the structural battery pack, should be out by the end of the year. So perhaps the Y could work for you there in Europe. Uh, for transporting dogs, the Y is certainly going to be a better overall option than the 3. That said, the Model 3 works just fine for me because I have a small family. My wife and I have one child, so it's the three of us plus Daisy, and we all fit totally fine in the car. I have a dog hammock in the back seat in order to protect my white interior. That was the, the motivating force behind buying that. Um, you can Google that, dog hammock for car, if you're not sure what I mean, but maybe the actually the more constructive thing to point you toward would be uh, the nice one that you can buy if you go to shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. Yeah, a little plug there. Okay, sue me. But they, they sell a nice one. On there, so you can take a look at that and see how it, you know, what it looks like, how it works, and it totally will protect your back seat area. Um, uh, the one I got, I got it off of Amazon like three years ago, and they probably don't even sell that one anymore. But I also have a dog seat belt. It's a it's a vest that goes around her chest, and then another piece. There's a second piece that hooks to a fastened seat belt. And then that piece hooks to the dog vest. So that's what's buckling her in. And so that setup uh, works for my family. I'm not sure if it would work for yours, depending on how many dogs, how many people you're dealing with at a given time. Still, I hope my response has at least helped you narrow down your preferences. Good luck as you shop for your next car. Also, as I just, I always keep Elon's Twitter open as I'm recording the show just in case he tweets during the podcast, and sometimes he does. And he's just just on the topic here. Uh, I talked to, you know, earlier in the podcast about the rollout, the continued rollout of the FSD beta, not the full rollout, but in this case he says, 
Beta version 8.3 has literally a thousand improvements. It will take time to QA internally, meaning quality assurance test, internally before release, probably in two to three weeks. So the next major beta release is about two to three weeks away. Okay, back to the hotline. See the show, that's why you gotta listen to the whole thing. You never know what's gonna come up. Keith, our friend Keith the Tesla hillbilly from Missouri is next. Go ahead, Keith. Hello, Ryan. This is Keith the Tesla hillbilly from Missouri. I have questions concerning the Cybertruck that I'm hoping you or the community might be able to help enlighten me on. First question would be in regards to a spare tire. Will the Cybertruck come with a spare tire? My thought is probably not as such, but my more important questions beyond that are, will the truck be engineered for a specific place to store not only the spare tire, but the jack and accessories one would need to, in order to spare that tire. I'm sure myself, like many other users out there, will be in locations where not if, but when they need to change a tire, and it would not be realistic or feasible to have service come out to these particular locations. Uh, much better when, again, you're using your pickup truck um, that you don't have to throw the spare either in the bed or vault in this case, or the uh, or the jack and accessories, again, in the vault or even in the front. Uh, for existing uh, trucks, they do have locations like normally for a spare tire. It's uh, underneath, uh, stored underneath the bed of the truck, and the jack and all accessories are under the seat uh, in, the, in the vehicle. So in a way, uh, just hoping that somebody might be able to shed some light on this. Uh, again, uh, thank you for your uh, work with the community and uh, putting out this podcast. And very glad to hear Daisy is uh, doing better. Take care, Ryan. Bye-bye. Hey, Keith, it's always great to hear from you. I would be stunned if the frunk is big enough to hold a spare tire. It seems like a decent size based on the photos of the Cybertruck prototype, but I don't think it'll be big enough for an entire spare. I, I'm not entirely sure, but again, I'm just going off of pictures here. The tools, though, especially, too, the, the Cybertruck has big tires, so it's uh, it would not be a, a small task, literally. But the tools, the tools definitely could fit in the frunk, and, uh, and that's the perfect place for them, I would think. I agree with you that I think it's highly unlikely that Tesla will include a spare, for two reasons. One, cost. Two, weight. Uh, but because the, the, the Cybertruck is, of course, meant to be a tough, rugged vehicle and be used in the kind of off-the-grid situations that you described, my hope is that Tesla will sell a separate Cybertruck spare tire kit on the online Tesla shop for folks like yourself that do want to have that peace of mind when you're out having fun in your Cybertruck. Cheers, Keith. Always great to hear from you. Thanks for your call. Zach from the EV Resource Podcast responds to a comment I made a couple shows back, little information correction, which I'm always happy to have. Zach, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Zach from the EV Resource Podcast. I just wanted to respond to uh, some of the comments that you made about the uh, federal fleet being turned to full EV. And I wanted to throw some additional names at you that you might not have been aware of. 
Uh, Lordstown Motors, with their endurance pickup truck, is likely going to be in the mix, as well as Workhorse. Uh, Workhorse has actually been actively trying to get a contract for the U.S. Postal Service trucks. Um, so there are definitely a lot of other American-made manufacturers in the mix uh, outside of just the passenger vehicles that uh, we've all heard of. Zach, thank you very much for your call. Uh, I actually was not aware of those companies that you mentioned, so thank you for educating me. I have I've heard of Bollinger as one of the other smaller. Uh, they're they're a truck. In fact, I think and sure, obviously you're familiar with them because you've heard of the ones that I haven't. But I think Bollinger is the one, or at least they're one of the companies that's been actively petitioning to be able to use Tesla's supercharger network. But anyway, I am glad to learn about a couple more. Cheers, Zach. Thanks so much. Tom from Miami is next, again, replying to another caller. This one uh, to the caller who had the tire repair issues with the shop that turned him away, uh, saying that they weren't properly trained in how to how to do a, you know, get a Tesla on a lift and, and do everything properly without damage anything. So here is Tom responding to that caller. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? This is Tom from Miami. Love the show. Listen to it every week. In regards to the person that called in that could only have his his uh, car towed into Tesla instead of a discount tire or other franchise, I'd just like to let you know that Costco does work on Teslas. And they're very careful about how they jack up the car. They have a computer program for every model. So they indicate that on the bill for the technician so that they set up the lift just properly. I was very impressed with how they do it. They do repairs on tires, patches, and they also sell tire replacements for Tesla Model 3s and other Tesla vehicles. So if you're ever stranded and you want to have your car towed someplace, don't forget Costco is an option. Uh, Whether or not they have all tires in stock i don't know but i know they do order them and they probably do have some in stock thanks tom i really appreciate this thank you uh you said don't forget that costco is an option and i had totally forgotten that costco is an option so your call was helpful to me and so hopefully it's helpful to other listeners as well i should have known that they would have tesla covered after all they so thoroughly have everything covered that I even on a you know semi-related note here, I used to get my last boxer, Maggie, I used to get her heart medications filled through the Costco pharmacy, a dog's prescription through the Costco pharmacy. Um, also, you didn't mention if you need to be a member in order to patronize the tire service. I, I Googled and couldn't find a clear-cut definitive answer on that. I'm going to presume the answer is yes, but still, uh, that's great to know. And if anybody out there is interested in using Costco for tires for your Tesla and you're not a member, I guess you could always just call or, or, or head on over and ask, make an appointment and just try it. You never know. Mike from Arizona is next. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Ryan. Love the podcast. My name is Mike McKinnon. I live in Arizona in Cholo Pine Top area. Uh, I actually had something very weird happen with my Model Y, 2021 Model Y, uh, just the other day that I, I had not read about before. Basically, I was driving up to a gate, 
and the gate actually opened inward toward the car. So I tried to put it in reverse, and even after multiple attempts of pushing all the way up on the stock, all it did was beep at me and would not go into reverse. It stayed in hold. I even tried once to put it in park and then reverse, and nothing happened. And I had been pushing the brake down in order to shift to reverse, and nothing happened. I'm uh, not sure what occurred, but the gate hit the front of the car and caused a little bit of damage, which I'm now going to get fixed. Uh, but uh, I was just wondering if you or others have heard about this or had issues with this weird uh, situation where it doesn't go into a gear. Now, I've tested it multiple times since, and I never had a problem before, and the tests all seem to work fine. So I'm not sure what the issue was. There was nobody behind me, and the doors were all closed. I had literally just driven up to the gate. Thanks so much for all your work on the podcast. I love listening to it and talking to you on Twitter. I appreciate all the information and work you put into it. I hope you have a great day, and I hope your dog is doing well. Mike, I'm so sorry to hear this. I am picturing myself in that same situation, and I imagine that that was extremely stressful at first, immediately followed by extreme frustration. If that were me, I'd have probably done a lot of yelling aloud, a lot of four-letter words after that impact, and and maybe you did too, I don't know. Uh, I have not heard of this as any sort of known issue, but given your detailed explanation, I'm not sure what the heck could have happened. The only thing even close to that that happened to me once was this one time when I was uh, coincidentally driving to Arizona, but I was still in California. I was driving down the interstate and I was taking an off ramp off the interstate so that I could pull off and go supercharge. And I manually deactivated autopilot uh, on the off ramp by pressing up on the stalk, uh, the gear selector stalk. And somehow the car shifted into neutral, which had never happened to me before. I didn't realize it until I tried, I was trying to give the car some juice. You know, the regen kicks in. Actually, actually it doesn't, I should say. That's, I think, that's right. That's what it was. That's what freaked me out because there was no regen. I was like, wait, what the heck's going on? And then I glanced down and saw that, that somehow the car had gone into neutral. So I quickly realized that and was able to get it right back into drive. But that is all to say, I have no idea what could have gone wrong with your car in that situation. So I just hope that it's going to be as good as new again very soon. Brian from Minneapolis is next. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, Ryan. This is Brian calling from Minneapolis. Uh, I'm calling for something that isn't quite exactly Tesla related, but I thought that the listeners would like to know. Um, I did, over the weekend, test drive the new Mustang Mach-E. Um, overall, I do think that uh, Tesla is doing a lot better in terms of uh, things like range, uh, charging network, of course. Um, but just my quick takeaways in, in terms of uh, what the Mach-E offers uh, that the Tesla uh, that really should look into uh, improving on their own vehicles. Uh, first thing would be build quality. Um, upon the first close of the door, you can really feel the difference of uh, a company uh, who's been making um, cars for a lot longer than Tesla. Um, and then the last uh, thing would be ride quality. Um, but other than that, I still think um, Tesla is a better choice to go in the EV market right now. But I do think Tesla should um, take a look at the Mach-E as a, as a good way to really compare themselves and see where they can improve their own production as well. Thank you. 
Brian, thanks for your call. I've heard a lot of good things about the Mach-E. In fact, just today, uh, a friend of mine in my same line of work, not at my same company, but posted that, that she and her husband bought a Mach-E after doing a bunch of research. And uh, I hope it's a winner for Ford. I really do. I mean, let's be honest. They, Ford doesn't really have many other irons in the EV fire right now, at least that I'm aware of, though I don't pretend to be fully up to date on Ford. I follow all things Tesla and not quite everything Ford. So we want, the point of that is to say we want the Mach-E to be good so that it sells well, reviews well, and more ICE car customers start to give EVs a chance. That's what it's going to take in order for the EV movement slash EV transition to go to the next level. I mean, even the biggest Tesla fans, such as myself, have to admit that Tesla can't do this on their own. I mean, Elon is, in all, in so many words, said as much. It's gotta be an industry-wide effort. So I say kudos to Ford for coming out of the gate strong with a winner here. I know it's not technically their first EV. They did have a Ford Focus EV a few years back, but that car's gone, and the Mach-E is their first serious, you'd actually cross-shop this against a Tesla EV. And I hope I start seeing a bunch of them on the road soon. Somi from Vancouver, BC, Canada is next. Welcome back, Somi. Hi, Ryan. Uh, this is Somi from Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. Um, I'm responding to uh, your caller from Ireland who pleasantly was surprised uh, with his Tesla updating his um, his his uh, empirical system and metric system, toggling that across the um, the Ireland and Northern Ireland border. And I have to admit, I got insanely jealous because that is not what happens for us here in Canada when we go to the U.S. or vice versa. And um, I may have this metric slightly off, but. You know, about I think it's seventy percent or maybe higher of the Canadian population live within an hour or two from the U.S. border. I mean, going into the U.S. is a thing for us. So having that toggle to um, miles per hour when we cross the border border automatically would be fantastic. What a what a great little small little thing Tesla could do to put a real smile on um, Canadian owners' faces. Um, and I cross state borders where there's a time change and the moment it crosses that state line, um, and I have watched this, the clock updates itself. So it's GPA GPS based. I can't imagine for a company like Tesla, this would be a difficult problem to solve. <laughs> so, um, but what a great idea. And I'm so glad that that caller brought it up because I think that this is completely uh, within the realm of Tesla being able to throw this out into another software update. Um, Tesla loves to put a smile on their customers' faces. This would be a really great way to do that for, for the Canadian community and, and all, of course, for the U.S. community who live uh, near the Canadian border and go up frequently as well. Um, so I just thought I'd throw it out there as my shameless plug. Uh, Tesla, let's make it happen. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Somi, thank you for clarifying that for North America. Uh, it's a bummer to hear that Tesla isn't doing this here because you're right. It would be great if they did, and it seems totally feasible as a software update. Uh, I had to chuckle, though, when you mentioned the clock switching over to a, new, to a new time zone instantly when driving across a border because I have driven my car from California to Arizona and back 
at the time of the year when they're in different time zones. And if anybody's wondering, what the heck are you talking about? What, why are they intermittent? Uh, it's because Arizona does not observe daylight saving time. So they never change their clocks. Half the year they're on Pacific time. The other half of the year they're on mountain time. Anyway, uh, when I have driven over the California-Arizona border... In my car, at least the last time I did it, which was holiday 2019, it doesn't switch right away. It usually takes several miles for me. Uh, maybe it's better now than the last time I did it, which, hey, uh, you know, that's, uh, like I said, it's been a while. But anyway, thank you very much for your call, Somi. That is good stuff. Kaz from San Diego. Let's go down, all the way down the West Coast of, uh, of, of the U.S., Canada there, just all the way down to San Diego Kaz talking about the disappearance of the standard range Model Y. Hey, everyone. I had some thoughts on what might be going on with this standard range Model Y. And, of course, this is conjecture, but it makes a lot of sense if you pull a page out of Ryan's book and take that large-scale view for a moment and think about all the major changes coming to not just the Model Y, but every vehicle in the fleet in relatively short time scales of one to two years even. We have Germany coming online very quickly, Texas right there with it. And at both of these factories, we have to consider them moving into 4680 cell production as well as single casting technology, front, rear, structural battery pack, all of that. And you already have the long-range performance lines of the Y and then every other line there is for the other vehicles to consider retooling and restructuring in the not-so-distant future. So it doesn't make sense from an iterative design process to add complexity to a line now that's going to be obsolete very shortly. And though it is definitely frustrating to see the standard range come and drop in price and leave, it does show that Tesla, they are people, you know, and they're trying to figure this out as well. And I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt here to understand that they are thinking efficiently on how you move forward and to better accelerate the mission. So, I would just hang tight and see what's going to happen next. I mean, they've shown that they're pretty good at what they do, and I trust that decisions made now will reflect very well in the future. But those are my thoughts. I'm happy to hear everybody else's. Take care. Thank you, as always, for your call, Kaz. It is a plausible theory for sure. There was another good post about this on my YouTube channel. Again, I don't have video of this podcast, but you can listen to the show there, just in audio form, if uh, YouTube's a place where you'd like to do that. Anyway, that comment came from Neil, who said, quote, I had assumed the standard Model Y disappearing was related to the parts shortage. Tesla would want to concentrate on the more expensive vehicles, end quote. And I have to say, I think Neil might be onto something there. I'm not saying that you're not, cause, but it might make a lot of sense if Tesla didn't see the shortage coming until, you know, recently, till like later in January or even later after they'd already launched the standard range Model Y so that when those shortages came, they decided to, as uh, as Neil suggested, prioritize the higher ASP, higher margin vehicles. Given Elon's comments about the standard range Y not meeting Tesla standard of range excellence, though, like they did say that, so... It's probably reasonable to presume that even if it was because of part shortages, it sounds like it still might not be coming back anytime soon. Thank you, Kaz, and thank you, Neil, on YouTube as well. I've got two more calls from you. The first one is from Reese down on the Sunshine Coast of Australia. 
McCaffrey, mate, Reese from Sunshine Coast, Australia. Long time listener. Emailed you a couple of times, which you always respond to very quickly, which are appreciated. And first time caller. Just wanted to talk Model Y and also off menu options, which I didn't know was a thing until this past two weeks when Elon confirmed the Model Y rear-wheel drive standard range would still be available as an off-menu option in the US. So I wanted to talk um, about when you think Model Y reservations will open up um, in Australia, hopefully shortly. Obviously, they'll probably start with the all-wheel drive, but hoping shortly afterwards rear-wheel drive standard range or standard range plus or even long-range rear-wheel drive will be available and if not, as an off-menu option, maybe. Love to get your thoughts, as well as the possibility of enhanced autopilot. I know that's currently available in China and in Europe, and I wanted to know if that's an off-menu option possibility. Is that something that you see in America on the Model 3 and the Model Y at the moment? Can you get an enhanced autopilot off-menu through the Tesla dealerships? Um, or is it just not available at all? Love to hear from you. Have a great week. Listen to you every Tuesday when I'm driving to work. See you, mate. Well, Reese, you cannot get enhanced autopilot off menu. It is purely a move, at least in my opinion, to move the revenue needle a bit in territories where they're not getting a good uptake rate on the FSD package. EAP's just never been available off menu. Only transparently on it. Uh, Will you get that option? Well, maybe, but it's impossible to predict, unfortunately. Now, as for when you'll get the Model Y, that I expect should be sooner rather than later because I would think that Australia's Model Ys are going to be built at Giga Shanghai since it's so much closer to you geographically speaking. And as you know from listening to the podcast, the Y is already in production at Giga Shanghai in the new newly opened uh, expansion wing of the Shanghai facility. So hopefully once they ramp up, they'll start doing right-hand drive batches for places like Australia. I would not hold my breath for any form of rear-wheel drive. Why, though? Whether it's standard range or long range. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm basing my speculation there off of Tesla's history with this stuff. So we shall see. As I said, though, hopefully it should be sometime this year, perhaps even like the end of the first half. I mean, that that seems like a the fact that the Y is already in production at Giga Shanghai means, you know, maybe it is going to be just a few months before they start doing right hand drive batches. We'll see. Final call this week. Last and certainly not least, Greg from Michigan. Welcome, Greg. Hey, Ryan, it's Greg from Michigan. I uh, appreciate everything you do. Just curious, what happened to the rest of the uh, software update for version 11 or the Christmas or holiday update? We got half of it. Um, where's the other half? In the news? Thanks. Bye. Greg, that is a really, really good question. Uh, something must have really held it up. I don't mean this to sound entitled since, you know, these software updates are free, But we've gotten really nothing but bug fix updates since that holiday update part one went out on, I think it was actually Christmas Eve. So it's either some major bug or maybe the city streets full self-driving was supposed to be the other half of the holiday update and 
As you heard earlier in the podcast, we're not getting that until at least Q2. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, everybody, for calling in. And by the way, I just want to say an extra special, like, overall umbrella thank you to everybody that calls in. You are all so kind and respectful. Almost every single call actually is 90 seconds or less, as I kindly request at the top of this segment every week. Like, you are all very good about it. And I really do thank you for that. So uh, if, again, if you would like to participate in the Ride the Lightning Hotline, if you want to call into the podcast, maybe be featured here, just dial it up. You got those two easy ways you can do it. I gave you the instructions for that at the top of the segment. Stick with me, though. I'm not quite done. Be right back with your pro tip of the week and a little bit more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. So that tweet that I told you about that, that went off during the recording of the podcast, it is now up to 12,000 responses to Elon saying, hey, if you want to be in on the FSD beta, let us know. It's up to 12K just while I'm recording this. Uh, anyway... As for what's up with me, well, I told you what's up with me this weekend. I am looking forward to the Tesla Owners Silicon Valley Club event, the nice socially distance. We'll do a takeover of the new 56 V3 stall Fireball Supercharger, the largest V3 supercharger in North America. I am really looking forward to seeing that and seeing a bunch of my friends, too, even though we'll be... We know it's been very clear, you know, we'll all be distanced and all that, but with masks and everything, but it'll just be nice to see people because, uh, in fact, this will be, this will be by far the furthest geographically that I've been from home since, yeah, in a year, since all this started. We'll be a hundred, you know, whatever it is, 150, 160 miles from here. Uh, anyway, hope to see some of you there. Your pro tip of the week this week comes from Dave in Yorktown. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Ryan, this is Dave from Yorktown, and I uh, really enjoy listening to your podcast. Uh, lots of good stuff every week. Got a little tidbit for you that you may not know. It involves uh, parallel parking capability with the Tesla. Uh, we've been using it for a long time and love it. Um, with one of the recent updates, uh, what you used to have to do was uh, push the, the P that would appear when you were next to a parking spot that was available, and once you push the P, uh, then you would get a um, an option to be able to go ahead and start uh, the parking. You'd have to shift into reverse, and then the car would go ahead and do its own thing. Uh, what we noticed was you no longer have to press uh, the P to do the parallel parking or the side-in parking. When you see the P appear as you pull past the parking spot, uh, all you have to do is put it into reverse. It'll alert you to go into uh, auto park. You hit auto park and let the car do its thing. Have a great day, and uh, say hi to uh, Daisy for me. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dave. You know, I'll tell you, the few times I have ever allowed the car to try to auto-park itself, I've aborted it because it's freaked me out in some way. Either it was going too fast or it seemed like it was too close to the curb and might curb my wheel. But still, uh, this is nevertheless a good tip for those of you out there who do confidently use this feature, because I know I'm... People do use it, and it works. It's just, I'm a little, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet mentally myself to to trust the car to do it. 
Uh, if you've got a pro tip of the week, I would love to hear it. You can send it in via the one of the two easy ways that you send in regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. I gave you that information earlier in the podcast. So yeah, something interesting about the car that's not obvious, that's not covered in the owner's manual, send it my way and go ahead and feel free to share it with your fellow Ride the Lightning listeners, your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts. All right, let me plug a few things before I get out of here. I will start with the snap plate. Those of you that have got to have that front license plate on there, depending what state you live in, well, this one snaps on and off in seconds. It's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. It can come on and off easily, but it's on, when it's on, it's on securely. It's good for taking it off for car shows, putting it on while you're at a parking meter, take it off at a car wash, put it on for toll booths, toll roads, etc., etc. So get yours for any of the Teslas, S3, X, or Y, at everyamp.com slash RTL. Don't forget the slash RTL. Everyamp.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, once again, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Just grab the $49 kit that gives you 128 gigabytes worth of storage or 69 bucks for the 256 gig kit. I've got the former in my car. It comes fully formatted and ready to go, works with Mac or PC. They'll ship anywhere worldwide, but it's free shipping anywhere in the United States. Get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. How about the Jada wireless charging pad, the Jada USB hub, and the new Jada SSD drive, the latter two of which pair together. Uh, The Jada wireless charging pad, I am a massive fan of. I, I love mine. I use it all the time. Actually, I was just using it today. I was running an errand while uh, listening to a conference call. So worked per I had, and I had it laid down uh, horizontally in in landscape mode and it's because it'll charge whether the phone is in portrait mode or landscape. So uh, if you've got a Model 3 that doesn't already have the Tesla wireless charging pad in it, I highly recommend the Jada. It's the third revision of it. I've had all three. This third one is by far the best. Uh, it just, it's, you buy it once and you've got it for the life of the car, no problem. As for the USB hub, it'll get you some extra USB ports, including some extra USB-C ports. And then there's the new Jada SSD drive that pairs with the USB hub. It fits perfectly with it. And that is a is an excellent dash cam solution if you don't already have something like the pure Tesla kit. So you can get any or all of those Jada products at my referral link. Please use this one. It's getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. The coupon code RTL should get you a little discount, uh, but I think that you could also try SSD 25. If you are buying the SSD drive, that's 25 bucks off of that. But uh, the Ride the Lightning, the RTL, or it might just be Ride the Lightning. I think it's the whole thing. Ride the Lightning, that'll get you 10 bucks off of any order at Jada. And if you happen to be in the San Francisco Bay Area or you're going to be here with your car, why not get in touch with Immaculate Reflections and get your car treated to a luxury spa package that, that will have it looking literally better than new? Uh, I am My car is, is rolling proof of that. Jeff at Immaculate Reflections is an absolutely brilliant detailer, and he's offering discounts to listeners of this podcast. So maybe you want to do paint correction 
correct some of those flaws that have either accumulated over time or came from the factory that way. Uh, there's also ceramic coating so that if you don't want to wax your car, which I don't, I would rather have the ceramic coating on there and just then the water beads right off for the next three to five years. You can get that or partial paint protection film, maybe just on the front of the car where you're going to get the majority of rocks and chips. Or you could go nuts like I did and do the whole car, which has saved me, as as loyal listeners know, has saved me on multiple occasions. So whatever you want to do, he's got that discount for you. Find out more and get in, t- uh, get in touch with Jeff. Book in with him at his website, which is irdetailing.com. And I think that will about do it, other than, yes, the Patreon. Uh, this is the part of the show where I... Uh, Hat in hand, humbly uh, remind you that I do have a Patreon. Should you be willing and able to support my efforts here at the podcast, I would sincerely appreciate it if you're able to, because as you know, a lot goes into this podcast every week. I'm very proud of that continuous effort. I don't miss a week. And you can support me for just starting at five bucks a month. There are additional tiers that go up from there that have all kinds of cool little perks and bonuses. But if you do five bucks a month, that's, what, a cup of coffee, and in return, to, in addition to just supporting me, you'll also get early access to the show each week. You can, you can get it on first thing Saturday morning when you wake up instead of waiting until Sunday. So uh, you can find more information, and you can do a Patreon pledge, including, by the way, they have annual options. So if you just want to go, I don't want to do once a month, you know, I'd rather just give you, give you a little money one time for the year. You can do that, too, and just do an annual uh, backing, an annual subscription. It's not really a subscription. An annual pledge, that's the word I'm looking for. And you'll get a 5% discount if you do the annual option. So anyway, go to patreon.com slash Podcast for all of the information you need. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Both uh, It's the same handle at both places, DMC underscore Ryan. And you can subscribe to this podcast, which is totally free. It just means it will push out to you each time there's a new episode, which, of course, is every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. So you can subscribe on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, which, yes, you, you can get in your car, on Spotify, including, yes, in the car as well. And I'm also, as I mentioned earlier in the show, on YouTube, just in audio-only form. If you want to find me there, go ahead and search Ride the Lightning Tesla, and you'll find me no problem. That'll about wrap it up. Other than saying thank you and hello to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers, the newest Roadster in Space tier backer, Fernando Cordero. Thank you so much for upgrading your pledge. Fernando, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to chatting with you at the next Patreon Google Hangout for folks at the higher tiers, as well as uh, new new backers get a one-time invite as well. So uh, the next one is this Sunday, or today as the show releases. So Fernando, thank you for that upgrade, along with the other Roadster and Space tier backers, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, and my friend on Twitter, at Rodam. Meanwhile, the Maximum Plaid crew got a couple of new folks there, Eric Brown, thank you very much. And Mark Eversoll upgrading there as well. Looking forward to seeing both of you at the monthly Google Hangouts from here on out. And uh, the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, 
John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, sorry Patrick, I stumbled at first, but I caught myself, Gil Cabrera, and Hay Watley. Uh, and then on the plaid side, David J. Howes. David, welcome. Thank you so much. You are the newest plaid level supporter, along with George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville as well. Thank you all so very, very much, all of you, for supporting the podcast. I very much appreciate it. For a, oh yeah, she's asleep now, as always, by the end of the show. For a snoozing Daisy the Boxer and on the mend Daisy the Boxer, again, uh, cannot thank you all of you enough for your words of encouragement and support over the past, uh, well, how long, the past few weeks now. Or as this as this unexpected trial with a three year old dog, you know I never would have never would have thought. I mean, boxers can get heart stuff. That's you know Maggie did, but at age three, that really really punched me in the face. That was uh, not expected. But hopefully, it's the diet. Hopefully, it was the grain free food triggering it and switching the diet and getting some great medication from a from a expert car- veterinary cardiologist will do the job. She is doing really well right now, so I'm hoping we're just going to continue that. All right, that's enough from me. This was a palindrome 292, episode 292 of Ride the Lightning. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.